Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Oh, hello, fellow Sojourners. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us. On today's edition of Appropriate in the Culture, we kick things off with a new segment on awkward conversations. This is awkward. Today's awkward conversation will center on premarital sex. So earmuff your young ones, snap on a chastity belt, slip on a promise ring, and let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about purity. Shall I edit that out? No, no, it was awesome. I'm Pastor Shane. I'll be your cold shower today as we appropriate some culture. On our inaugural episode, we demonstrated just how effective movies and television can be in shaping the culture by looking at how attitudes about homosexual behavior have changed in response to the nonstop Hollywood propaganda in favor of it. And that really shouldn't be surprising because the same thing played out with other sexual sins. In the 1950s, television was such a no-sex zone that even married couples were abstaining. I love Lucy, just not in that way. Father Knows Best, though it's not entirely clear how he became a father. The Dick Van Dyke Show, though, I've gotten myself into trouble. Also, that show was in the 60s. The point is, as a culture, we went from depicting married couples as needing two twin beds with a nightstand in between to such rampant and such casual premarital sex where saying I love you suddenly was more monumental of a moment. Here's a clip from Friends from 1998. (laughs) You are so great, I love you. What? Nothing, I said, I said you're so great and then I just, I just stopped talking. They've already been shacking up. And frankly, by the Friends era, this trope was already a cliché. Sam and Diane did the exact same thing in season two of Cheers in 1983. So in the span of a couple of decades, we went from a culture that would be scandalized by depictions of married couples being married couples to sex being below saying I love you in the hierarchy of intimacy. And just like with homosexuality, movies, television, and entertainment have shaped the way we think about sex, including in the church. According to Pew Research, half of U.S. Christians say casual sex between consenting adults is sometimes or always acceptable. And that's just casual sex. When it comes to sex between unmarried adults in committed relationships, that number jumps to 57%. Ironically, the group that believes in Mary's perpetual virginity fared the worst in the poll with 64% of Catholics saying it is sometimes or always acceptable for adults to have premarital sex. Self-identified evangelicals polled the best with a measly 46% reporting that it is sometimes or always acceptable for adult couples to have premarital sex. Well, anyone can claim to be a Christian, but do they actually, you know, do it? Do they, do they go to church? Well, those who go to church once a month or more are also pretty fine with premarital sex. 46% say it is sometimes or always acceptable. Hello, darkness, my old friend. But on the plus side, Christians are still largely against having sex on a first date and against open relationships. (laughs) We're not the irreligious. We have standards, which will, of course, change once open relationships are popularized in media. 
But I'll tell you this, there will be no sex on the first date in our open relationships because we are Christians. We have standards and objective morality. Now, to be charitable, uh, the Bible is maybe surprisingly not as explicit about premarital sex as it is with other sexual sins. Jesus says in Matthew, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. Adultery is specifically called out. Sexual immorality is a little more vague. Some translations translate it as fornication, which would be more specific. But sexual immorality is probably a better translation, as the Greek word used there is a bit broader and all-encompassing. And it's the same word that Paul uses in places like Corinthians. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Once again, adultery is specifically called out, as is homosexuality. So when he says sexual immorality, he is referring to something other than adultery or homosexuality, but it's not as explicit. So do we actually have clear indication from scripture that premarital sex is sin? Yes. A part of the reason I think premarital sex is not as explicitly addressed is because in the culture in which the Bible was written, it was taken as a given. Virginity is serious business. Deuteronomy. If a man takes a wife and, after sleeping with her, dislikes her and slanders her and gives her a bad name, saying, I married this woman, but when I approached her, I did not find proof of her virginity, then the young woman's father and mother shall bring to the town elders at the gate proof that she was a virgin. Her father will say to the elders, I gave my daughter in marriage to this man, but he dislikes her. Now he has slandered her and said, I did not find your daughter to be a virgin, but here's the proof of my daughter's virginity. Then her parents shall display the cloth before the elders of the town, and the elders shall take the man and punish him. So clearly the expectation is, at the very least, that women should be virgins until marriage. That's also why it's scandalous that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was pregnant when she wasn't married. Or look at this passage from Deuteronomy. This is an interesting passage that I think is a little challenging for Christians and can be a little off-putting. But I think it's helpful here, so let's work through it and try to unpack it. Deuteronomy. If a man happens to meet in a town a virgin pledged to be married and he sleeps with her, you shall take both of them to the gate of that town and stone them to death. The young woman, because she was in a town and did not scream for help, and the man, because he violated another man's wife. You must purge the evil from among you. But if, out in the country, a man happens to meet a young woman pledged to be married and rapes her, only the man who has done this shall die. Do nothing to the woman. She has committed no sin deserving death. This case is like that of someone who attacks and murders a neighbor. For the man found the young woman out in the country, and although the betrothed woman screamed, there was no one to rescue her. If a man happens to meet a virgin who is not pledged to be married and rapes her, and they are discovered, he shall pay her father 50 shekels of silver. He must marry the young woman, for he has violated her. He can never divorce her as long as he lives. Yikes. Being forced to marry the person who raped you, that seems... Terrible. 
All right, so let's uh, unpack this. Uh, these are all forms of premarital sex, but in each case, it's regarded as rape in the culture. In the first case, they're describing consensual sex. It's indicating that she's not fighting or being taken against her will. And so because she's engaged to be married, they regard it as adultery, and they're both stoned to death. That's the penalty for adultery. In the second case, this would be identical to our modern view of rape. She's being taken against her will, in which case nothing is done to the woman, she's innocent, and the perpetrator should be executed. In the final case, you have essentially the same situation as the first case, except that the woman is not pledged to be married, so it's not regarded as adultery, in which case the punishment is to pay the father and marry the girl. It's premarital sex and a shotgun wedding. But why does it call it rape if it's consensual? Well, it's basically statutory rape, which are laws that we also have in our culture. So, for instance, we put age restrictions on these things and argue that even if the sex is not by force, minors are incapable of offering consent due to a whole host of sociological reasons, including power imbalances. Well, the same thought applies here. In their culture, they did not view women as being capable of offering consent due to a whole host of sociological reasons, including power imbalances. So not only was the law of Moses against premarital sex, it regarded even consensual premarital sex as nothing but rape. So anytime the Bible says sexual immorality, fornication clearly falls under that. Back to the New Testament to cement this. It says in Corinthians, Now to the unmarried and the widows I say this, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. There's only two options here, unmarried and celibate, or married and not celibate. There's no third option. Not celibate and not married is not an option. The instruction is clearly, if you cannot abstain, if you're burning with passion, then get married. For help, you can turn to our sponsor today. Appropriate in the Culture is brought to us by The Chastity Belt. Tired of flimsy promise rings with little to no tensile strength? Then slip into an elegant, stylish, discreet, and impenetrable stainless steel chastity belt. If it ever breaks or the lock is ever picked, we'll send you a free complimentary shotgun. Shotgun shells sold separately. Chastity belt. Serious protection. Difficult to use the restroom. Alrighty, so... That really should be enough to wrap this topic up. It's pretty clear from Scripture that God regards premarital sex as sin. And that has been, inarguably and overwhelmingly, the consensus from the church for thousands and thousands of years. The fact that God is against it, that God regards it as sin, ought to be enough for Christians. Christians ought to be deeply concerned with living their lives in holiness and righteousness in accordance with the scriptures as they're explicitly called to do. And yet, for many, the fact that the Bible speaks against it, that God regards it as sin, is not enough to dissuade. I think the issue there is love. Uh, God wants obedience, but obedience is often driven by love. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commands. And so often when it comes to restrictions on our sexual desires, we don't view God in love. We view him as a naysayer and a busybody, where God is an insufferable prude, right? putting forth nonsensical draconian restrictions like 1950s television shows. But God is not a killjoy. God is not a thief. 
And there's no shortage of studies that back up the contention. Uh, Those who cohabitate before marriage are more likely to get divorced than those who don't. And for good reason. Sex outside of marriage, rather than creating intimacy, often produces insecurity. Because if you're at that stage in the relationship for sex, well then, why not marriage? Well, what is essentially communicated by that is, I want to have sex with you, but I don't want to marry you. I'm not sure about a lifetime partnership. I'm not sold on that, you know, that level of commitment. I'm still uncertain about you. You can see how that produces insecurity rather than intimacy, which is why when you look at the statistics, those who had sex before marriage, of those who even got married, they are far, far more likely to get divorced than those who abstained. Other studies show that delaying sex makes for better relationships. The more sexual partners you have before marriage, the more likely you are to get divorced. Married people describe themselves as happier than those who aren't, and previous sexual history affects marital happiness. Those who are married have more sex and report as being more sexually fulfilled than those who are having sex and aren't married. And on and on and on it goes. There's lots of studies and lots of data that supports a biblical approach that this will bring you more satisfaction, contentment, and joy in the long run. The Bible gives us commands and instructions for our good. They lead to a fuller life, not a lesser one. God's not a prude. God's not a killjoy. Well, that's it for now. Join me next week for more Awkward Conversations. This is awkward. As we appropriate some culture. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.